This morning, I'd like to invite the prayer team up. We're going to do a, a familiar song to you. If you have a prayer request, just feel free to come forward. Our Waymaker's here this morning. He's moving in our midst this morning. He hears your heart. So just bring your, your trials, tribulations, and He's here this morning. Turning lies around 
Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can be in your presence here today, God. Lord, thank you for bringing us from the past into the present. And Lord, thank you for already planning out what the future holds, Lord. Your provision is enough. God, I pray that we will be able to rest in your presence today, Father, that whatever might be holding us back from being in a relationship with you, we will lay it down at your feet and leave it there, God, because you already have victory over every sin, over everything that could happen in this world. So, Lord, we just declare your victory here this morning over every circumstance that is present here today, Father. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you for everything you're about to do in this place today. Father, we love you so much. Here at Spirit Church, we believe in the power of unity and the power of prayer. And to practice both of those things, one of the things we like to do is say the Lord's Prayer together to focus our heart and our mind on Christ. Would you join with me in doing that this morning? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, we, we serve the one true king above everything else. So let's give him one more shout of praise this morning. Let's practice exalting him like we just sang because he is worthy of it all. Amen. 
Amen. Hey, I'm super excited because God's doing some amazing things here in our church family and across this world. But before we continue, I need you to go and meet somebody really fast. Turn around, give someone a fist bump, make sure they're doing all right after their Saturday, talk a little bit, and then we're going to get started. Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Gabby, and we're so glad that you've joined us today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you a part of our family, and we would love to connect. If you're here in person, you can scan this QR code on the screen next to me to fill out your Connect card or your guest card. And if you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church connect or spirit.church guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't feel any pressure to give. But if you are here and you'd like to give, here are three ways you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the commons area. You can give online on our website at spirit.church give. Or you can use our Church Center app. Spirit Church, you're the best. We're so thankful for your generosity. Now I've got a couple announcements for you. Our Family Fall Bash is tonight from 5 to 7 p.m., and we're so excited. Bring the whole family for this fun night of hay rides, a petting zoo, pumpkin painting, but bring your own pumpkin, trunk or treat, and our chili cook-off. Bring $5 per person to eat, and we can't wait to see you there. And lastly, our next grocery giveaway is Saturday, October 28th from 10 a.m. to noon. Anyone in need can come through our drive through line and receive free groceries, so help us spread the word. If you would like to sign up to help, please contact Danny at spiritchurch.com for more information. Spirit Church, we love you, and thanks for listening. Now let's welcome our lead pastor, Jason Fullerton. Good morning. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble, but I want Sean Wilson to stand right now. Look at his fast response. Last Sunday, he was inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, and we are so proud of you. We love you so much. And I just want to go on record. I want everybody to know that he's my friend and he likes me. So don't even think about messing with me because he'll wrestle you down. So proud of you. Love you. Sorry I couldn't be there, but we are grateful for you. Congratulations. So well-deserved. What an awesome week it has been. However, when we turn our attention to the news, what a tumultuous week it has been. Our hearts are troubled by the situation that is taking place in Israel. Our hearts are troubled, not just because we love Israel, but because Christ died for all people. Whether they're Jewish, Christian, Muslim, whether they're born an Israeli, born a Palestinian, God loves all people. The Bible says that he sent his son that none should perish, but that all would have eternal life. And his message, his gospel is for all. And we stand, obviously, as the body of Christ, we stand with Israel. Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abram and said, I will make you into a great nation, and I will cause all the nations of the world to be blessed through you. 
I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. So we obviously know where we stand, but we have seen through biblical history and through modern history where time after time, God's people have been attacked and their lives have been threatened. We've seen Nero, we've seen Stalin, we've seen Hitler, and now we see terrorist organizations that rise up against Israel. So as pastor, I would like to call our church family to prayer for the nation and the people of Israel, but also to prayer for everyone involved in this conflict, that first of all, there would be peace, but second, that there would be salvation that would come to the ends of the earth. I want to invite you to join me every day this week in whatever way you can. Make it a priority to pray for Israel, for, to pray for the circumstance and the situation that is going on there. And, and maybe just to, if I'm on a soapbox for a second, turn off the news while you do it. And, and dig into God's word or some worship music. We fill ourselves sometimes with the wrong influences and we listen to the wrong narratives without meaning to. Let's just press into God, into his presence, into his word in this situation step off the box for just a second we also want to do an active step of helping with Israel last week we talked about Adeline Godwin she was the young woman who went to Colorado and encountered the presence and power of God and came back to Bartlesville started a prayer meeting and from that prayer meeting this church was founded 99 years and one week ago her great-grandson is a man named Pastor Jim King. Many of you have heard that name and familiar with it. Some of you have traveled to Israel with Jim King. Spoke with Jim this week, saw him uh, a couple of days, talked to him by phone on Wednesday. We're going to receive a special offering for Israel today, and we're going to send that money to Jim because he has the contacts in Israel, and he knows where it is most needed. And because we have a relationship with him, I have told him, Jim, I'm comfortable speaking on behalf of our church family. We're going to send this money to you. We want you to use it where it is most needed. He said, Jason, I can't even tell you exactly right now because so much is happening so fast. So many people are being relocated. So many people have had to leave and had to flee. That We don't exactly know. He said, some of it, if I'm just being honest with you, we might be using it to buy underwear for people, and some of it we might be using to provide blankets and clothing and, and necessary supplies. I said, Jim, we trust you. You have a track record with our church. We have reputation here with our church family. We trust you. So there's a QR code on the screen. If you're like me, I have four $1 bills in my wallet. That almost makes me a millennial, but it's too much money to be a millennial. So I could say I could give everything in my wallet, but that wouldn't be the best that I could give this morning. So there's a QR code where you can go to our digital giving options. If you have our church center app, you can give through that way. Our ushers are going to come around here in just a second. But let me just say this about online giving. You want to choose the one that says Israel. Make sure that you designate it Israel. In fact, if you're writing a check right now in the memo line, if you would make sure that you write the word Israel. If you're giving cash, we're going to put all of it in a bag and our guys are going to market Israel so we know that this cash is specifically for Israel. And thanks to technology, this money is going to get to Israel quicker than it ever has before. I mean, we can digitally get this money. It's probably going to be there tomorrow and able to meet needs. I just feel impressed and prompted of the Holy Spirit that as a church family, we need to do this. I know uh, I thought this year I would only do three special offerings. I'd do one for Israel at the start of the year, which we did. We helped with an 
elementary school. Then we did one to bless Convoy of Hope, our strategic partner, who, by the way, is probably preparing even now to respond in Israel. And then we're going to do a third offering uh, for Christmas this year, and we're going to help reach people in unreached parts of the world. But I just feel prompted of the Lord that we need to respond with our prayer, but we also need to take an action step as a church family, and we need to bless Israel, and we need to bless those in this conflict zone and in this situation. We need to pray, but we also need to do something. So there's a digital option where you can give that way. Ushers, if you go ahead and come down to the front, we're going to provide you with a way that if you do have cash or if you do have a check and you want to give uh, in that way, you can do that. Let's begin, though, by praying. Lord Jesus... You are Lord over all, over all people. You came for the Jew and you came for the Gentile. You want that none would perish. So we pray today for the peace of Jerusalem. Your word commands us to do that. And it says in Psalm 122 that the Lord our God who watches over Israel does not sleep and he does not slumber. So we know that you are not surprised by what is taking place. We know that this didn't catch you off guard and we know ultimately that you have a perfect plan. So we declare today, we trust you. When it might seem difficult, when the situation doesn't make sense, when it's, when it's easy uh, to, to, to politicize this event, we choose not to do that. Instead, we choose to trust you. And we ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. We pray that this offering that is received today would bless those in this region who need it desperately, who need our help, that they would sense that prayer is causing things to happen, but financially there would be some provision that would be supplied to people who are vulnerable and desperate and hopeless today. Thank you that we can be a part of your kingdom in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ushers, thank you for doing this. And, and uh, Ron Fuller's right here. He told me at the first worship experience, if somebody needs more time to write their check, they'll still be at the back of the room, and you could even hand it to one of our ushers following this worship experience if you'd like. Of course, the kiosks are available. If you write a check, you can put it in there. Just make sure, again, you mark it Israel. The giving... Um, QR code is active all day today, all this week. It's always active, just to be honest with you, so you can give as the Lord directs you to do that. Uh, I want to show you a photo of our guest speakers today, my dear friends, JT and Rachel Espejo. JT and Rachel are missionaries that Spirit Church supports every month. They live in Africa. They live in Nairobi, Kenya. Now, we have been in a series here at Spirit Church this month called Roller Coaster. And in the Roller Coaster series, we have been looking at the life of Gideon. Gideon had an up and down experience of life. He rode the roller coaster of doubt. He rode the roller coaster of faith. And next week, we're going to close out talking about the roller coaster of fear that he experienced. But today, we're going to pause the roller coaster series from Judges. And I want you to hear about a modern day roller coaster ride that JT and Rachel experienced. Because they live in Kenya, they strategically are positioned to serve the entire continent of Africa. They've already been working in ten, at least 10 of the countries. They have plans to go to more. I want to show you Khartoum, Sudan. This is the capital of Sudan, where in April, JT went and was able to minister there. And while there, they experienced a roller coaster life. In just a few moments after the message, they're going to be with Robin and I in the Welcome Center. And I wish we had time for every single one of you to talk to them, to meet them, to share your story, and to hear their heart, because I can promise you this, it takes about 30 seconds for you to fall in love with JT and Rachel. They are amazing people who are called of God to serve his kingdom. Yesterday, we made them official Okies. They're from Arkansas originally, but we took them to Woolarock 
and we took them to Pahuska and we fed them P-Town pizza. So they're in, y'all. They're one of us. It's all good. Would you stand to your feet this morning and would you help me to welcome one of our missionary he heroes, J.T. Espejo. Thank you, thank you. You can be seated. It's, uh, it's really an, a joy and an honor to be joining all of you today. Uh, we've only been to one worship experience, and I'm already ready to move to Bartlesville. So I hope you guys are ready to have us. Uh, so we've really been looking forward to this day since we put it on the calendar in May, and we're glad it's finally here. Pastor Jason and Robin, thanks so much for opening the door. It's a privilege to be able to stand on this stage and share this testimony. You are blessed with incredible pastors here at Spirit Church. Yeah. Rachel and I just adore your pastors. They are some of the best pastors we've ever met, but also some of the most genuinely nice people we've ever met. So it's such an honor to be friends with them. As Pastor Jason said, Rachel and I serve in Africa, and we work all over the continent. And today, I'm going to share a testimony from Khartoum, Sudan. Uh, where I experienced uh, this story earlier this year in the month of April. And my prayer is that as we share this testimony, that it would fill you with faith to pray bold prayers for what you need in your own life, but also for lost and unreached people around the world. So as we begin, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to give you glory this morning. Lord, I, I, I step out of everything that I am and ask instead that your Holy Spirit would speak this morning. You know exactly is what is needed. So, Lord, we open our hearts and our minds and our spirits, Lord, and we say whatever you have for us, speak, and we will be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. On April 14th, I landed in Khartoum, Sudan, with two pastors from our home church in Arkansas. And we were there to meet with our team leaders, Alberto and Deanna Sosa, and visit the only two established Assemblies of God churches in the country of Sudan. And little did we know what we were going to experience on this trip. On the morning of April 15th, war broke out between two Sudanese military groups, the Sudanese Armed Forces and the Rapid Support Forces. First, we saw people running on the streets in front of our hotel. And then we heard gunshots, and then bombs, and then larger explosions that caused the foundation below us to begin shaking. The front desk quickly called and asked us to come to the lobby for safety. And paralyzed by the sounds of war erupting around us, it was in this moment that I began processing through thoughts I never expected to process through at the age of 26. I had to ask myself the question, was I prepared to die? For four hours, we sat in the lobby, listening to the sounds of AK-47s and watching smoke fill the city center as bombs caught it on fire. And eventually, with the little information I had, I called Rachel, who was in Arkansas at the time, to tell her what was going on. And I slowly explained the situation to her. And Rachel reminded me of our commitment, of why we go to places like Sudan. She reminded me of the call of God on our lives, 
and the security we have in faithfully following him wherever he leads us, even into a war zone. We were within less than half a mile from two of the major conflict zones, and we were stuck in the middle of RSF territory with our only information telling us that this group was the rebels, the enemy, made up of an ex-Islamic extremism group. We were only supposed to be in Sudan for 48 hours, but we ended up being trapped for 13 days. Within the first 24 hours, the airport was completely destroyed. Civilian planes were bombed. Both sides declared they wouldn't stop until the other one was completely destroyed. The streets were abandoned except for tanks and military vehicles. The SAF weaponized aircrafts to drop bombs, fire missiles, and declared they would shoot anyone out of the sky, no questions asked. Within 24 hours, we went from worshiping Jesus with the beginnings of the church in Sudan to being stuck in the middle of civil war. And making it worse, we were separated from Alberto's wife and two daughters. The days were long, and they were tough. Over the course of our 13 days, there were about 15 different attempts to extract us from Sudan. But each one ended with the same phrase. We tried to make it to you, but we couldn't get there. The area you're in is too hot. But God was taking care of us. We experienced miracle after miracle in the midst of the war. We never ran out of food and water. We were there during the Muslim holiday of Ramadan, which is a month of prayer and fasting from sunup to sundown. And the hotel we were staying in was prepared for masses of people to come and break their fast each night, which left us with 45 days worth of food when the war began. We were in RSF territory, and these guys were taking over buildings and setting up snipers' nests wherever they were. But they never touched our building. Why? Well, come to find out, the building we were in was owned by the Libyan government, a completely different country that backed the RSF financially. And they didn't want to lose their support, so they never touched our building. Medication, one of our pastors needed. One night just showed up at the hotel by a man we've never met, we've never seen his photo, we don't even know his name. It just showed up at the front desk. An angel. Do you hear what I'm saying? This didn't take God by surprise. He knew what was coming, and he knew exactly what we needed and provided for us. We serve a miracle-working God. Sometimes I think we get so focused on the one miracle we want, which in this case was deliverance from the war, that we miss the millions of miracles the Lord is doing right in front of us. What miracle are you missing in your life today? By day seven, it became clear we weren't getting out unless the U.S. military evacuated us with the embassy, which was actually a plan being set in motion due to the escalating conflict. 48 hours later, we woke up to the news of the U.S. evacuating the embassy from Sudan. We were left. 
And what felt like our last hope is actually now a closed door. That same day, this verse was spoken over us. Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. The humans will let you down. In fact, the, the plans you make for your own life, they're going to fail from time to time. The plans others promise, they'll fail. Treatment plans, they might not go as you'd planned for them to, but our hope is not in those things. Our hope is in the Lord. By day 10, it became clear. We were trapped in the hotel, and we sat at our breakfast table when a, a lady named Heba came to talk with us. And Heba's a reporter for Al Jazeera, which is a, a Muslim news company that was using our hotel as their headquarters to report on the war. And Heba came to us and she asked, why are you still here? She told us, we were becoming too big of a target at this point, that we had to leave. So after breakfast, we went to our room and we had our time of prayer and Bible reading and worship together. And that morning, we read 2 Samuel 22. And what we didn't know at the time seemed like an ordinary passage of Scripture was actually a prophetic sign from God. Let me read you part. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. Now remember verse 12. He made darkness his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds of the sky. At 1.30 p.m., we were in our hotel room on the 8th floor, and we're looking out the window across the Nile River at the rest of the city of Khartoum, and we see something out of the ordinary, a dark cloud covering the entire city. Now understand, Sudan is one of the driest places on Earth. It's completely desert. The annual rainfall for the month of April for the past 11 years is less than 0.01% of a chance. It doesn't rain. Yet we saw a dark rain cloud, and we knew it was a sign from God. So we went to the fourth floor where Al Jazeera was streaming from, and we walked into the station leader's office, and Heba was there. And we asked if there was any way they could help get us to the Rotana, a safer hotel about 25 minutes away. And they called their personal driver, and he agreed to come pick us up, and they told us to go pack our bags. We packed only essentials, water, an extra pair of clothes, everything else we brought to Sudan, we left in Sudan. I had $20,000 worth of equipment we used for ministry in Africa. I packed it all in a suitcase and left it. If we would have been stopped at a checkpoint and they would have seen it, it would have put too much of a target on our back. It wasn't worth the risk. Sudan cost me $20,000, but we serve a God who restores all things. 
Within four months of being home, God used partner churches to provide all the funds I needed to not only replace the gear, but to upgrade the gear. The Lord is faithful. He restores all good things. Listen, whatever you've lost, or whatever seems like it's too far gone, don't forget that we serve a God who restores and provides. So the driver shows up, and we walk outside for the first time in 10 days, and we come out from under this awning, and as soon as we do, a raindrop hits my lip. And then raindrops on the ground. And we knew God was with us. We all loaded in the back of the vehicle, and we're about to leave the compound, the safety of our compound for the first time and drive into a war zone. Let me tell you, if you weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit, you would have been in that moment. Because you're leaving and driving straight into a war zone. We were stopped by two military checkpoints. Both times, they were friendly and let us go. For the entire 25-minute drive, we never heard a gunshot. The first time in 10 days. We made it to the Rotana Hotel. We thanked our driver, and we looked up at the sky, and the clouds were gone. But we were surrounded by puddles of water. The Lord had gone with us, keeping watch over us. Now, the other side of that story, there were teams in Africa... There were churches here in the States. There were even districts of churches. There were families at home during their devotional time who felt like God placed on their heart to pray for a change of weather in Sudan. And they were obedient, and they prayed, and you see what the Lord did. Look, when you're, when you're spending time in prayer, and the Lord puts something on your heart, and it makes no sense in the moment, be obedient and pray about it because you have no idea what the Lord is doing on the other side of that prayer. It might actually be saving somebody's life. So we'd made it to the Ratana, a victory, but we were still separated from Alberto's wife and two daughters. And their neighborhood had become so unsafe that they'd left their house walking by foot to the Japanese embassy. The embassy had told them that they would take them out with the diplomats if they could make it there on their own. And when they arrived, they discovered that the embassy had already evacuated. Devastated. They had no idea what to do, so they just sat on the ground as RSF soldiers roamed up and down their territory. And we were a mile and a half away at the Rotana, just sick to our stomachs. There was no way we could get to them. There was nothing we could do except pray. And I was standing outside the hotel with Alberto when all of a sudden we see a Land Cruiser truck pull into the parking lot that has seven RSF soldiers, a 50 cal machine gun mounted to the back, and multiple loaded RPGs. And I genuinely thought it was over in this moment. This is the moment we'd been fearing for the last 10 days. And the truck pulled up right in front of me. And then a second vehicle pulled up behind it. And the back door opened. And out stepped Alberto's wife and two daughters. This RSF commander 
saw them on the streets, asked them where they were going, and gave them an armed escort to safety. Like, do you realize the depth of this moment? The ex-Islamic extremism group gave an armed escort to the missionaries who were in their country sharing the gospel. Only God could orchestrate something like that. The next step of our journey started the next morning at 8.10 a.m., a 16-hour bus ride through the desert to a place called Port Sudan. The bus ride was long and hot. We went through 15 military checkpoints. We drove through the desert on roads that shouldn't be roads in 115-degree weather. I recorded 31,000 steps on my smartwatch that day. Not because I walked, but because of how bumpy the bus ride was driving through the desert. When we arrived, Alberto got a phone call from a friend named Mustafa. And Mustafa told us that there was a Saudi warship in port who was evacuating people. And he thought he could get us on, but we needed to leave right then. So at midnight, starting day 11, we walked into a port area that was meant for 300, where five to 700 people were jam-packed, all desperate to have their passport stamped with permission to leave the country. It took us two hours to find the guy we needed to give our passports to. And then five hours later, he emerged from a back room with stacks of passports. And we got ours, and we had the stamp, but we weren't on the first ship. There was a second vessel that was coming. So at 11 a.m., after no sleep, we boarded a bus to take us to our ship. One more checkpoint, a two-hour boarding process, and then three hours on the deck of the ship waiting in the sun, we finally left port, headed for Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. The ship ride across the Red Sea was 22 hours long, and I slept 16 glorious hours from pure exhaustion. The next day, we landed in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, and then about six hours later, we boarded a flight home where we were re reunited with our wives, friends, and families. After 13 days, 312 hours in a war zone, God brought us home safely to our families. Only God could have delivered us the way we were brought out. A 25-minute car ride smuggled through the conflict zone, a 16-hour bus ride through the desert, a night in a boatyard, and 22 hours across the Red Sea on a Saudi warship. Only God could have done something like that. That first day, I didn't expect to be waking up to a phone call from my husband saying he was taking shelter in his hotel and wouldn't be leaving as planned. I was supposed to be boarding a flight to South Africa that day to meet up with JT for meetings with our leadership. Not knowing how the situation would play out, I boarded a 16-hour flight to South Africa. The next few days, honestly, I was just living moment to moment. There were ugly moments of crying out to the Lord, 
There were the why, Lord, questions. There were middle-of-the-night moments where I could only pray, please, Jesus. All words had left me full of fear, anxiety, heartbreak, and sorrow. I could only verbalize those two words, please, Jesus. God can handle our emotions pretty well, though, can't he? He's big enough to hear it all. After a few days, I told God, okay, I get it. We've kept the faith now. Can you just get JT out of Sudan? I don't know if I can fully describe to you the desperation that I felt for them to get out of Sudan. One night, we had heard from the security team that they had a plan to extract everyone out of the city. They seemed sure that they could pull this off. I was ecstatic. The plan was to get them out of the city and then bring them to South Africa, where we were. I couldn't wait for the moment that I could hug JT again. Tomorrow was the day, is what I was thinking. I went to sleep planning where we could eat, where we could go take a beautiful walk. I woke up to find out that they couldn't extract him. A gut-wrenching moment. I quickly realized, though, that my hope was in the wrong place. I needed to reposition my hope. If I continued to put my hope in man's plans, I would have been a wreck. My hope shouldn't be in man's plans, though. My hope shouldn't be in my plans. My hope shouldn't even be in the outcome that I want. My hope, our hope, has to be in God alone. And when my hope is in God, the chaos of the world shakes me less. When my hope is in Him, I can't be rocked. The only thing that I wanted during those few days was a promise from God that He was going to get JT out. I'm telling you, I wanted an audible voice from heaven telling me that JT was going to get out unscathed. Have you ever been there before? I cried out to God for some big response, something that I could hold on to without a doubt, but it never came. During those 10 days, I never once heard God tell me or promise me that he was going to get JT out. Meetings were over in South Africa, and so I was heading back to Arkansas, our home state. And at this point, I had been without contact with JT for about 48 hours. I had just gotten through security in Atlanta when I got a phone call from him. So I quickly answer the phone, and he tells me that they're moving to a safer hotel. Praise God, they were moving. However, as you know, that means that they would be going through a war zone where at any moment they could find themselves in the midst of a gunfight or a bomb explosion. Through tears, JT and I told each other, I love you not knowing if it would be the last time. I hung up, and I realized that I was in the middle of an airport. Knowing my husband was going through a war zone, I needed to go find my gate. A sobering moment. Having a word from the Lord would make these moments of crisis so much easier, though, wouldn't it? But what I was asking myself in the midst of this was, could I be faithful even when I don't get the answer that I want in the timing that I want it. Even if God never answered my question the way that I wanted him to, even if it went the opposite way that I wanted, was God still enough for me? Would I still call God 
a good God. So instead of that audible voice from heaven that I wanted, I received the steady presence of the Lord throughout those 13 days. You see, if God had spoken to me what I wanted to hear, when I wanted it, I would have probably just kept asking. Nothing would have been enough in that moment. But do you know what is enough? God's presence. And amongst all these emotions, there was another feeling. And you see, this feeling doesn't come naturally in a situation like this. It's not a feeling that comes easy to us humans. It's not a feeling that you can just fool yourself into. It's peace. And I learned that all our raw emotions can coexist with God's peace. And there is such an overarching sense of steadiness and peace in this crisis that honestly at one moment I thought something was wrong with me. How could I feel so calm in the midst of this crisis? How, shouldn't I be crying, unable to laugh or smile or have joy? And like I said, there were those moments, but it wasn't the majority. More often I felt assuredness and peace. I discovered the peace that Paul talks about, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the kind of peace that truly guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That's the kind of peace that I experienced. And it's the kind of peace that you can experience too in the midst of your crisis, in the midst of your difficult moments. And so I want to just pause this message in this moment, and that's exactly what I want to pray for. Some of you might be in a difficult moment, and it might seem hopeless right now. Maybe you just desperately want a word from God. There's nothing that you can do to change the situation you might have tried. You've cried out to him. You've had sleepless nights. You want nothing more than an audible promise from God that it's going to be okay. Hear this from the Lord today. He sees you. He knows your situation. And even though you might not be able to see it with your own two eyes, it's not over because God is still in it. And I believe that this morning, he wants to take this moment to restore your hope and to fill you with the peace that you need. Would you bow your heads for me? Maybe you're listening to, to my story and you can relate with some of those feelings. Maybe you need your peace restored. You need your hope restored in the midst of this difficult moment. Would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me so that way I can pray with you? Thank you. I see you. Thank you very much. I see you. Let's pray together. Lord, I just lift up these friends to you. You see them exactly where they're at, Jesus. You know their situation. You know what they're going through, and you have not left them. And Lord, I pray that in this moment, they would take their eyes off of the crisis. They would take their eyes off of those emotions that can grasp us so easily. Take their eyes off of the anxiety, off the fear fear, off the anger, whatever it might be. And Lord, I pray they would reposition their hope to you this morning, that their eyes would look to you and to you alone. And as they do that, Jesus, fill them with the peace that surpasses understanding. Lord, fill them with the faith that they need to make it through this situation. 
Lord, fill them with the hope that they need, Jesus. I pray that you would be their firm foundation, Lord. And God, as they release that control over the situation and give it to you, Lord, I pray for a change in their situation. I pray that a miracle would happen around them, Lord, and that you would fill them with the peace that they need to get through it all. You are faithful, Lord, and you have not forsaken them. You have not left them. Remind them of that this morning, Jesus. It's in your name we pray all of these things. Amen. This is our story. Isn't God good? But what about the story of those who are still suffering? Who are still stuck in the same crisis, but doing it without peace and without hope because they have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel and follow Jesus. What's heaviest on my heart today is not the situation that we experience but the millions of people still trapped in Sudan, facing the war, and doing it without the peace and hope that they can have in Jesus. On the first day, we were sitting in the hotel, and we're watching on my computer, church online. And while doing it, I journaled this, watching service in the hotel, singing, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross surrounded by people dying and going to hell because they don't know about the cross. This is why we go. We go so that those who have never heard might hear the gospel for the very first time. We go so that they might have peace when they meet Jesus. We go so that they know about the cross. As we sat in the hotel at the restaurant eating our meals, the news was always on. And one picture on that screen is still stuck in my brain today. The civilian death toll that to this day continues to rise. And it's gut-wrenching to look at that number, realizing that people are dying because of the war. It's more gut-wrenching to realize that that number symbolizes Souls spending an eternity apart from Jesus because they died not knowing him. When we look at how the Lord delivered us, I want to point one thing out. God used Muslim people the entire way to deliver us from Sudan. He used a Muslim news company to set things in motion. He used a, a Muslim driver who risked his life to drive us through a war zone for free. He used two Muslim bus drivers who drove through the desert risking looters and potential attacks from militias. He used a Muslim man named Mustafa who stayed up all night to advocate for us to get on the Saudi warship. And he used the Saudi Navy, Saudi, the capital of Islam, to take us across the Red Sea. Muslim people risking their lives to deliver followers of Jesus who have eternal security from a war zone. And we sometimes wrestle with God 
to be used by him so these very same people might be rescued from eternity apart from him. God, forgive us when we get so caught up in our own situations and our own selfish desires that we forget the entire reason Jesus came to the earth, to redeem the lost and unreached to right relationship with the Father. Sudan is one of the most unreached countries in the world. It's home to more unreached people groups than any other country in Africa, 132. 132 people groups, millions of peoples, individual souls with names, Yusuf, Suleika, Mustafa, Abdo, Heba, souls that if we truly believe the word of God matter to God. We have a responsibility, a mandate from God, the heart of God is to see these lost and unreached people redeemed to right relationship with him. It's his entire heartbeat. Does your heart beat the same? Does it race when you think about people dying without having the opportunity to follow Jesus? Does it break when you think about people in your own neighborhoods who don't have a relationship with him? who are living without hope and peace in Jesus? Each of us have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to respond to the missional call of God to go and make disciples. And if our heartbeat is not the same as God's, something has to change. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts so that it beats the same as his. Because when our heartbeat is the same as God's, our life is completely changed. We, we reorganize our lives so that every day we have more time to intercede for lost and unreached people. Because we recognize that on the other side of those prayers we pray, there are people who will never make it to heaven if we don't pray them. We reprioritize our finances so that we can give more to the kingdom, so that churches can be built in villages that have never had a place to worship Jesus, so that unreached people can hold a Bible in their own language and read the gospel for the very first time. When our heartbeat is the same as God's, we completely set up our lives so that nothing will hinder us from responding with unrestricted obedience. When he says, give up everything and go so that people can hear about me. If our heart's not there, we must allow the Holy Spirit to transform us so that our priority is the same as God's, that there are more people in heaven one day. And when we choose to do that, when we choose to allow our heartbeat to be the same as his, one day we're gonna be standing around the throne of God. We're gonna be worshiping him. And we're gonna be looking around us 
and we're going to see the Yusufs and the Suleikas and the Abdos and the Mustafas and the Hebas who are raising their hands in worship, worshiping the same God we are because we chose to make it a priority and partner together so the lost and unreached of this world come to know Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, break our hearts for those who are lost and unreached. Lord, today we, we offer our hearts to you and we say, if there is anything hindering us from it beating the same as yours, would you reveal that to us? And would you give us the boldness and the courage to allow your Holy Spirit to transform our hearts? Because God, we want nothing more than to respond in obedience to whatever you call us to, Jesus. So Lord, we align our lives with you because we recognize that your priority your priority is for people to come to know you. And so, Lord, we take our eyes off of our own situation, our own desires, and we look to that priority, and we say, Lord, we will do whatever it takes so that your church is planted around the world and so that more people will be around the throne worshiping you when we get there. So, Lord, we ask for your help because we need it. May you lead us by your Holy Spirit so that this is a priority to each one of us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you keep your head bowed for a second, I want you to get that image in your mind that JT spoke about around the throne of God, worshiping people from every tribe and every tongue and every people group and every nation. I want you to see Jewish people. I want you to see Sudanese people. I want you to see American people. And I want to ask a very simple question. Are you there? Are you there around the throne worshiping? Have you made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? If you have, then, then you're there. But our heart breaks for people in faraway places that don't know Jesus. And our heart breaks for people right here that don't know Jesus. And today, if you're far from him, he is as close as the mention of his name. And if you've never made him Lord and Savior of your life, this is your moment, this is your opportunity. And if you're far from him today, if there's distance, it's not because he created it. Oftentimes we do that. We make decisions and choices that lead us away from God. But he's so faithful and he's so gracious and his mercy is so unending that he welcomes us back into his family. So today, if you've never said yes to Jesus or if you just need to make some things right between you and him, I will not embarrass you in any way. I simply want to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand and say, yes, that's me. That's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Thank you for those of you who are being courageous. Some of you are watching online this morning and I can't see your hand, but you can write the word yes in your chat box and you can say, yes, I'm... I'm saying yes to Jesus today. I'm confessing him as Savior and Lord. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. When you lifted that hand this morning, you said, I believe. 
Now I'm going to encourage you to pray this prayer of confession. We're all going to pray it. Everybody in the room, those watching and listening online, we're all going to pray this together. Let's pray it now. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you please stand to your feet if you're able across this room? If you said yes to Jesus, there's a number on the screen. 918-766-9117. You can let our team know that you said yes to Jesus. We want you to be baptized in water. Last week we saw 22 people baptized in water. We want you to grow in your faith, and our team is prepared to help you in that. Before we applaud for JT and Rachel, can we take a second and just pray again for Sudan? Can we pray for people in the Gaza Strip? Can we pray for those in remote parts of Asia? Can we pray for those in South America, even right here, that do not know Jesus? Come on, join me in prayer this morning. Father, we pray for those that don't know you. Our hearts are broken. Because you've already done the work. But somebody has not been told. And there are millions of people that are waiting to receive a gospel message. God, maybe in this room, you're calling laborers. You told us to pray. You told us to pray that workers be sent into the harvest field. And I believe you're speaking to people in this room today to go into the harvest field for they are ripe unto harvest. And maybe that means Sudan, and maybe that just means right around the corner from our house. All of us can be used to reach one more. Help us, Lord. The work is not done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you blessed today by JT and Rachel and their authenticity and vulnerability? I've heard it seven times. And all seven times I end up crying because I love them so much. I've known JT for about a year and a half. and He's just like a little brother. He's amazing. I'm old enough. He's 26. I just, like I could be his dad. That's humbling, isn't it? Robin, if you take them, they're going to be in the Welcome Center. I know we probably don't have time for every single one of you to meet them, but if you've been compelled, and who of us haven't been compelled this morning, but if you have a second, they've got prayer cards. They'd love to say hi and to greet you today. Thank you so much for being here. Can we continue to believe God for peace in the Middle East? Can we continue to believe God that souls are being saved all around the world? And can I just take a moment and just say thank you to all of our friends at VOM. I know today's not about you, but thank you for what you do because you work in places like this every single day and we thank you. And we don't pray for you enough. We don't honor you enough, but thank you for what you are doing. Pastor Grant, I'm a wreck. Will you come up here and land this airplane before I get myself in trouble? God bless you this morning.
great day indeed. I want to remind you tonight from 5 to 7 is our family fall bash. We'd love to see you there. A lot of uh, activities for all ages, and so uh, we encourage you to come. Uh, we do want to remind you uh, it is $5 for food, and, and please bring cash if you could. That would be very helpful for us. Uh, but before we go, on and pray a prayer, a blessing over you. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. We love you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you tonight.